Welcome back, everyone, to the Teacher Talk podcast. This is CJ Reynolds, and I wanted to remind you that my new book came out. Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is now available at Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. And it would be available at B. Dalton bookstores if they still existed. Alas, it does not. So if you do end up getting the book, if you would please, please, please leave a comment thing on Amazon, review rather, that would really mean the world to me. It helps the book get to more people. And that's it. Without further ado, here's this week's episode of Teacher Talk. Peace. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I got a, I got a comment last week, and this, this problem, problem person's not even watching. And I'm not gonna, I'm not putting them on blast because they actually left a very nice comment about it. But they asked why do we do a live feed every Sunday night? They said to get, it's to the point where like they see us pop up in the live feed and it's like, why are you doing this? Then the idea was maybe that we're doing it to push our SEO on, on YouTube. So the idea there, if you don't know what SEO is, it's essentially some sort of algorithm thing where like, if you follow certain steps, then you can, you're, you will get potentially more views on YouTube and um, potentially doing a live feed pushes you to the top of that list. So more people see that you're doing this. What, what no one knows is that doing a live feed actually hurts our SEO. Not as many people watch this as they do like a regular video. So I might get, if I'm lucky, I get like a thousand views on this. A regular video will get between two and five or 6,000, depending on what the video is about. So this actually does not help us. But the idea here is I just, I, I don't care about that. I don't care about my sub count or how many likes I get. What I really like is comments. I like commenting back to people as much as I can. I like seeing people in the comments communicating with one another. Um, and I just think that this is a valuable thing for all of you. And it's something that I look forward to. I look forward to seeing those names in, in my little sidebar here. I look forward to seeing people communicate through there. So I just, I just, I get the sense that this is useful for myself and for everyone else. So that's why we do this. This isn't because I'm trying to like grow my channel, um, which is great. I mean, I want to grow my channel because the more, I, I just think not enough teachers in the world know that the YouTube community exists. And I think it's a really good way to help people, to inspire people, to share things and, and all that stuff. So um, wait, we actually have two questions. We do. Um, yeah, from that, I got emailed. So let's, uh, it's from Brenda and one from, I'm going to forget well, who it was. Up, senior, I said, uh, what are your go-to end of the year activities? Go-to end of the year activities are one, I like to keep things as normal as possible in the classroom for as long as I can. I think consistency breeds sanity. Um, when you start just trying to do games and stuff, it like, for me, in my experience, anyway, some people can just do that because they're magical, like unicorns. I, on the other hand, am like, it's look up Brenda and look up uh, from Texas. Mm, I'm going to forget. Nieves, I think oh, his name okay. is. You know what yeah. I'm talking about, our homie? Um, so they, so I just, I, I don't have a lot of luck with that stuff. Um, so I generally do. So I have review all week and that's going to look like we play Quizzo when we do reviews. I'll have like a worksheet review day where it's like, I just need you to like do one final test of like 
looking for information, like extracting information that I need to extract from the text. And I, I hope that's it this week. I hope that's all I'm going to have time for because extra time just is, um, is very, very difficult. Um, for me. And if I run out of time, I do the old expo marker challenge where you stand in the back of the room with five expo markers and you, everyone has to sit quietly and you take turns chucking expo markers and trying to land them on the ledge of your board. Uh, I don't know. Is that a marker ledge now? It's not a chalk ledge anymore. When I was a kid, it was a chalk ledge. Uh, so let me see. I have some cool stuff to share tonight too that I've been up to that I want to share with everyone. But first I want to just share this. So there's um, one of the things, let me say this. I have this friend, Brenda, that I met through YouTube and we did a phone call once and um, I really love doing that. I love like talking with people. Uh, it's really, it's fun. And Brenda has become like a very, someone that like when she sends me an email, I'm like, oh, it's Brenda. I know who that is. So Brenda said, uh, I teach the lowest level of ninth grade math. So kids at the third grade math level are put in my class because there is nowhere else for them to go. I think this would be similar to your students on the low reading level. It is. I would love to do lots of small group work and try and try to teach kids at the level they are. However, the expectation from my principal, school, and district is that we teach the same thing on the same day, brother. Uh, we all keep the same pace. We give the standard district created tests on the same day. Oh my goodness. It is completely unrealistic and unfair for the kids. Keeping pace leaves so many of them failing again. But even if I ignored the district and did my own thing, however, how would I ultimately give them a grade? The grade says that they have accomplished the standards for the course. So frustrating. What are your thoughts? Um, so Brenda and anyone else that's in this situation, I this is a hard thing to give advice for because what I mean, what I, well, what I potentially would say is I... And, and I'm also, I come from a place of, I, I am lucky enough to be in a school where I don't have to deal with that stuff largely, but even during state tests, right? And I'm probably not supposed to say this stuff, but during state tests, I tell kids, look, I have to give you this test. I realize you might not know this content that well, or that you're probably going to fail this test. There's a very good chance, but who cares? Like, it's in some respects, school is a game. We have to play the game to get what we want in life, right? So like, if you want to be an accountant, you can't just go out and start accounting, right? You have to like have a degree. You have to have certification to be able to do that. You can't just go showing up at schools and teaching. If you want to be a teacher, you have to play the game to do it. So learn how to play the game, but also realize that that test score doesn't say anything about who you are really, right? Like, I, and I tell them my story. Like I grew up not really caring about school. I went to community college for way too long. I was on like the Van Wilder plan for, for college completion. And then I went to a state school that was a good school. And actually I really liked community college. I thought it was much better than, um, than the four-year school that I went to. And I think that then I, got a job and I have found some success in teaching. And I think I found just as much success as a lot of people that I know that went to really good schools. Um, so I just don't think that like those test scores 
define who you're going to be and what becomes of you. And I, and I tell them my story because I think that it matters on that level. Like it's, it shows them that. So part of me wants to say to hell with it, do what you want, like meet your kids where they are and help bring them up. I think you win a lot of points with students doing that stuff. Or can you split your days? Can you do some of that stuff? And then on other days, tell the kids like, look, like, and even you can even make it seem like you're going, you know, rogue and say, this is what I want to do. This is going to be awesome. I'm trying to like really actually teach you math. So let's do this and to hell with the district stuff. Like this is how we're going to get down and do it. I think you get more buy-in from kids if you do stuff like that. So, you know, but I'm potentially telling you to do something that's against your district. So I don't want you to get you in trouble. Like, I don't want you to like email me and be like, Reynolds, I lost my job because you gave me that crappy advice. Uh, But I feel like, I honestly feel like if I was in a school like that, that's what I would do. I also am, so I turned 41 this year. And I think even since 40, like I just give less I'm not going to say the oh. thing that I say because it has expletives in it, but I just, I, I'll substitute the words out. I just give less of a crap now than ever before in my life with everything, because I realize more than ever what's important and that the students are important or my kids are important or my marriage is important or whatever it is. And I'm just not willing to like water it down and do some other meaningless nonsense just because someone wants me to. I'm not a cog in a machine. I am, as a teacher, I think we are all meant to be artists and artists have to do things differently. Like, you know, you still produce something at the end of the day, but like, you can't just, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to read from your book. So that's, that's what I would do. Uh, and, and I think Brenda, you're a good enough teacher, like trust in yourself and you're going to know, like, it's just like being a mom, right? Like I tell my wife all the time, like whatever my wife's gut says to do about the kids, She's 99% right. And that 1% that she's not is usually when we give our kids ice cream two days in or two times in a day or something like that. Um, MZ Books is asking, I have a question after watching your last video about yelling at students. Dude, that was a hard video to put out and I felt very awkward. Um, And it it got good reception from everyone, but that was a vulnerable one. Um, What are your techniques to get students quiet and listening without having to yell to get their attention? Oh, dude. So... I do a couple different things. One, I count down from four and I do it like they did it in Wayne's world. And so I really just stand in front of the room. I do the same thing every day. So consistency wins. I walk into my class and I usually say something ridiculous. This, this doesn't, first of all, this part doesn't go well with everyone. Please don't do this unless you really know your students and you're comfortable around them. I think that goes, that speaks to how I do my classroom management all the time because I know my students. So I'll walk in and I'll be like, all right, animals. And then inevitably some child will turn and say, did you just call us animals? And I'm like, yep, yeah, because I knew that would get your attention, right? If I walk in and say, okay, gentlemen, no one listens to me, all right? All right, kids, or okay, everyone sit down. Like no one listens to you. But if you say something ridiculous, like animals, am I really calling my kids animals? No. And people like animals anyway. So you, I say that um, to get attention. And then I count down from four, three, two, one, by the time I get to one, you got to be silent. If you're not, I call you out on it. Um, or depending on the kid, I'll gently ask someone to sit down or I'll put someone in blast. Uh, but I, that's because I know my students. I very rarely have to count down from four again, 
And the good thing about that is like, it doesn't mean sit down and shut up immediately. It's like, finish up what you're saying. Like when I'm on two, I don't care if you're quiet yet, but be quiet by the time I get to one. And I used to hate that tactic, but I've seen other, cause I've seen other people, people do it. And it just seems so childish. Like I was kindergarten cop or something, but instead I've just found that it really works well. Um, and then if it, someone's not being quiet, I will go over, maybe I ask someone to step in the hallway. I'll speak to them out there really quickly. Um, I will remind someone like, yo, do you hear me talking? Because I realize that sometimes, you know, studies that I've shown, I teach all boys, studies that I've read, and I read a book on teaching boys once, and they said that higher registering voices, like, or higher, um, people with higher voices don't always register in boys ears. So like a lot of times, like it does, and that doesn't mean that you have to be that you're a female, but like men that have deep voices, generally their voices break through and, and boys listen to them easier or, or like it's, it triggers something in there. So they hear you, which I just thought was interesting. So I think that's why I think just yelling doesn't work. Um, my co-teacher talks very, very loud all the time and doesn't mean the kids listen to him and that's not a diss to him i just think visuals sometimes like five four three two one like using my hands that visual creates something for the students to lock onto and then they're quiet and really you just need like what malcolm gladwell calls this the tipping point right you need the majority of the kids to be quiet and then everyone else is going to realize oh oh is that what we're doing we're being quiet now and then they move on and they're quiet i don't who's that email the other one I uh what did homie ask me i forget Oh, it was in my messenger, I think. Um, pulling this up. So I had a really great week this week. I went to a really great um, teacher conference the other day. And it's in the real right of the rounds, John. Oh, thank you. Uh, Jane, which I'm going to talk about that conference in, when I have a moment. But Jane Register said, I am a high school student and now interested in teaching high school. What can I do now to prepare for that? Jane. I would say, hmm, and you are a high school student. Uh, oh, uh, that one mom is asking about where her child is. He's upstairs playing video games. Um, so I think what I would do, Jane, is try to have in mind maybe like what kind of school do you want to teach in? What like, do you want to teach elementary school? Uh, I don't think you said it in there. Oh, you want to teach high school. I would try and go around to other high schools and maybe start, or even in your own high school, start tutoring kids, start being a part of things and trying to be a part of leadership instead of just the students. So like whatever you're interested in, maybe you become like the manager for the softball team or you help with the AV club or, you know, you're getting, so what you're doing is you're getting like experience being a leader and tutoring, you're getting a head on like, how do people learn? Like, do they, does everyone learn the same? Do they all learn a little bit differently? How do you explain things um, and explain them clearly? So if you're tutoring kids, like maybe if you're in high school, you could even tutor like middle school kids or like fifth or sixth grade, right? You would probably be like a master of that content. Um, and those kids will probably treat you more like an adult than someone your own age will. So that's what I would do. I would just, you know, do that. And I, I, don't know that. I was thinking of a program, but you have to have a degree to do that. Uh, 
So yeah, that's what I would do. And I wouldn't do it through, don't do it through like a tutoring center. I would maybe like make sure that your parents know about this, but think about there's avenues like Craigslist. A lot of teachers post stuff on there or just tell, you know, maybe go to like your middle school teachers or elementary school teachers and say, Hey, I want to start gearing myself up, getting ready to teach. Do you have any students that could use help or if they need help this summer, if their parents are looking for a tutor, like here's my rate, here's my card and have them contact you. And then, um, that would be like the safest way to do it. And it would just give you a lot of experience in the classroom already. Um, is this question on there? I don't know. who. Yeah. Uh, it was Anthony Nieves. Oh, he had a question. Oh, it's right there. Oh, okay. Uh, um, Anthony Nieves, he hit me up on Messenger this week and said, uh, question for Sunday or just general conversation answer. Went blah, blah, blah. What do you do during the summer to prepare for next year? What are your tips for summer? I wanted to hear some best practices from veteran teachers and me being the first year, I wanted to know, I do have some PD planned out sometime for the summer and improving my units plans for next year. Okay, so here's what I would ask is you can either leave it here or what it, or if you're watching this later, you can leave it in the comment section. What are, so I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna give my answer, but I, I'm gonna ask you all, what do you do during the summer months to prepare for next year? What are your tips in the summer? And doing nothing is totally doing something. So if that's your jam, then get on it. Uh, I am already thinking about next year. My jam for this year, my idea for this year, right? If, if any of you go back with me till, till last summer or early this year, was to have the best year ever. About two months in, my <laughs> ship got wrecked. Um, I was like that guy. I felt like that guy on Ninja Warrior that like is super stoked. He he looks the part. He's ready for it. He's like they show the workout video and he's doing all this crazy stuff and he's 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 stoked. And he gets through that one. They have that like one easy obstacle and then the one slightly difficult obstacle that's still kind of easy. He falls into the water and looks like he was on wipeout instead of Ninja Warrior. That's what my year kind of felt like. And I think we made the best out of it in our class. But next year, I am looking to I'm, I don't know that I'm going to say I'm having the best year ever again, but I'm totally going to have a great year. And I'm already thinking about that. I'm already making plans for that. So for me, what that looks like is I have several PDs this summer. So I'm going to go learn about they're at a local community college. They're doing, um, what are they doing training on dyslexia? Yeah. We're going to take a class. For dyslexia. We're going to, my wife and I are taking a class on dyslexia. We're going to, I'm doing several conferences this summer and then i'm going to attend those conferences also not just speak at them you're going to get you're going to take your separate for orton gillingham oh yeah then i'm going to learn at a local school uh delaware valley friends in pennsylvania is having um a training for orton gillingham so i'm doing that this summer and then i'm already lining up a whole bunch of different like artists and guests and speakers to come in next year so that i'm not figuring that out as I go, I'm going to try and set those dates in stone so that those folks, because last year I hit some people up early in the year, they couldn't do it yet. Then they, two people got really famous last year, two street artists. And then it was almost impossible to get them in. So I did lock them down for the summer, but I'm all, that's what I'm thinking of in terms of, of next year. Uh, and so other folks, Anthony, you can see like right on the side, there's like a bunch of people, um, 
seeing what they would do. So that's that's one thing you know. Uh, Kimberly Wallback, what's up, Kimberly? Says, hey Reynolds, anything special planned for the end of the year? Um, not for school. I think my biggest thing that I do is, um, and if you've not watched my channel, I, I, some stuff I talk about the same thing over and over again. So if you've been with me for a while, you know about this. But freshman year, I have my students write themselves a letter on the first day of school about who they are. It's supposed to be like a snapshot of their life and questions to their future self. Like, whatever happened with that girl that you liked? Or did you ever end up moving? Did your parents get divorced? What baby did your mom have? Whatever it is. And so then on graduation night, I give those letters back. And it is my favorite, favorite tradition that I have in the classroom. And that's special. And then nothing else crazy. Um, I'm doing something fun with my kids that I'm not going to talk about yet because they think, well, they don't watch this. But like, I'm doing like a special scavenger hunt with my own offspring. But uh, yeah, nothing else like magical. I'll be in Chicago next month and I'm going to do a meetup with people and I'll be speaking at the ISTE conference. And, and that's it, right? Oh yeah, then I'm next, not this coming week, the following week, I'll be in New York City. Yo, if anyone's there, um, Chris Emden is speaking. And so I'm going to go up with some homies and we're going to go see him and like go to that conference for the day too. So, yeah. What's... Looking for questions. Sorry, doing... I know they're there, but I've, I've right. been doing a lot of Dude, other stuff. Dude, you're doing other stuff. And you're eating <laughs> almond butter. I get it. <laughs> Busy girl. Not to tell people that. You're really putting a dent in this thing. Stop, too. I did not. I know, I'm just kidding, Woody. Um, this Sorry. episode brought to you by Justin's Almond Butter. I don't like almond butter. It's not very delicious. Uh, so, Mike Keenan. What's up, Mike? Said, how do you start the school year? How many days until you start teaching content? Um, so... Uh, let me say this first. When I started teaching, I did not start teaching content for a week or two because I would show up and I would do um, like all of my rules and procedures took like three days. Then I would do like a brief assessment to see like where the kids were and um, what they what they knew. So like a summative assessment, like like to get it, my kind of game plan together. Then I would do like a lot of games and stuff like that. Now, I don't do any of that stuff. My school year starts off with, I don't, the first day, I don't do any rules. I don't do any, I don't do my syllabus. I don't do questionnaires. I do none of that stuff. I, I do two things on the first day. One, I let students know, I'm really glad that you're here. I want you to know more than anything that I love my job. And that's really important for you because there's a lot of teachers that don't love their jobs. And I'm not here to like, say I'm better than them. I'm just putting you on point that so you know, without a doubt from day one that I love being here. And this is going to be I'm going to try and make this the best English class you've ever had, right. And then I talk about what that looks like. Here's a snapshot of what our year could look like if things go well, right? Not every class wins. Some classes suck some years, but like, I'll give them like the greatest hits of what has happened in the past. Like, speakers we've had come in, um, class trips we've done, how we do parties, how we do silly stuff. Like it builds that kind of anticipation for the school year. And then I say, before we do anything else, I want you to write this letter. And then I have them write a letter to themselves. And you could do this in any grade, but, and even give it back to them at the end of the year would be fine. But 
I give it to my students in ninth grade. And if you don't pass ninth grade, then you have to wait five years to get it, sometimes six. Um, but that is my whole first day. Second day, I go over my syllabus. And if anyone wants, I can email you my syllabus and uh, as a Word doc, and then you can just erase the me parts and put in the you parts. But my syllabus doesn't look like a regular syllabus. It's not like course overview paragraph. These are the books we're reading this year. Like it's one sheet of paper that's kind of cut up into this fun way. And it has, it's a little bit more visually interesting to, to pull from. And I think I found it on Pinterest and I just modified it to what I wanted. But like, I liked the idea of my, even my syllabus looking different than anybody else's in the school. And then I go over my one rule, which is you give respect, you get respect. That's the only rule I have in my classroom because I assume that I don't like, I don't like telling my students what they can't do. I like telling them what we are going to do, right? So there's policies and procedures and all that stuff in place. And we get to those as needed. But I, I feel like most teachers spend the beginning of the year telling kids like, there's no chewing gum. Make sure you have a pen every day. Don't write in red ink and all this other stuff. And I just think that that is like, it, that just seems, I don't know, like it doesn't get anyone excited about what you could be doing. Like you don't go on vacation. And when you go to the travel agency, if anyone still goes to a travel agency, they don't tell you like, all right, look, Jamaica is great, but here's all the stuff you're not allowed to do in Jamaica. There will not be zip lining. You will not go swimming. You will not be on a roller coaster. Like, I don't, who cares about that? I want to know what we are going to do so I can get stoked about that. And I don't want to hear all the stuff I can't do. So that's why I do that. And that's, so I get into content area by the third day. And I do that by having the students create a map of their life between birth and that moment. How did they get there? What was their life odyssey? And then I turn that into the odyssey lesson for Homer's The Odyssey. Um, so there were from the jump and then that's a whole thing. So that's, that's how I do it. Uh, did you have one for me? I, I didn't. You didn't? It's all right. <laughs> You're busy. You're busy momming. So this, while I'm waiting for this oh. question, oh, you got one? There you go. All right. Oh, I just one. It's my buddy from China. Um, Nayara from music, has, she is saying, any tips for staying organized? I've always been super forgetful since I was a kid. As the year ends, I'm getting tired and my memory is getting worse. As I get older, my memory is getting worse. Um, What's your number one step you always tell me? For what, organization? Oh, I thought it was like a reminder. Oh, Never mind. oh for, for that, yeah. number one, I do tell my wife this all the time because my wife will forget stuff. And I say, you have a phone hit the little button and tell it, remind me to do this. And so then you just never forget and you can set like alarms on your phone. Um, so if I ever have a meeting, I put everything in my phone. I write it down elsewhere too, but like it's always in my phone. So I get an alert the day before. And then I generally do about five minutes before in case I forget again, or I'm with a student or whatever. And then it reminds me that I have that thing to do. And that really helps. I, in terms of organization, I am not, I'm not a disciplined individual. I have to have things like literally marked out. So everything in my room has a place and there's a place for everything, right? Like that old adage. Uh, and that's true. So behind my, if you watch any of my videos, I should probably do like a video about this, but behind my desk, I have this large wooden structure filled with all kinds of interesting like suitcases and little drawers and little boxes. Every one of them is for something. So I have Legos in a box pencils, just regular old pencils in a box. 
I have colored pencils in a certain drawer. I have staples in a certain drawer. So I never have to like open my drawer and my desk and there's like 90,000 things in there. Everything has a spot. Even as far as like on the table in front of my room where the tissues go and the hand sanitizer goes, I have a little box drawn on there that says tissues. So we know that's where the tissues go. So I don't have to like think about it. If I have kids helping me, it's very, very clear. It's very evident what goes there. And they can find all the crap behind my desk too because they know where everything is. And that's everything. Like my car keys and sunglasses have their own drawer behind my desk so that they're not sitting on my desk, clouding up my workspace. Um, and the other thing, my other piece of help, like thing for organization, my wife taught me this is surfaces. You can, I'm doing, hold on. I know, I didn't want to That's fine. Tell Google stop the timer. Hey, Google stop the timer. Uh, friends of ours are getting picked up. So it's, uh, and there's the dog. I told, I told you this was coming, right? So the other thing is, um, my wife says clear surfaces. Like clearing your desk will make you feel better, right? And I do that by throwing crap away. I'm not afraid to throw things away. Every once in a while, students do an assignment and I feel backed up. I just throw that thing in the trash. Doesn't mean they didn't learn anything. Um, but just like helps clear your mind, clear your desk, get you like, I'd rather be centered and feeling like I, I know where I'm going next than like feel like I have to do all this crap that like I don't have, I didn't have time to get to, right? So, so every once in a while, it's okay to like throw away an assignment. Um, I give you permission. Tell them, blame it on me. Reynolds said so. DW3 is asking, that sounds like a, like a hip hop group from the early 90s or something like that. Um, so currently I have active duty Air Force and I'm looking to become a teacher. I have a degree in psychology. Do you know anyone who has gone through this certification program? So bro, I just talked to a guy that was, I sent him an email a little while ago that had a very, very similar situation. And one of the, so I once met a guy, um, this teacher, Matt, Matt Hagerman, Hagerman. Um, I'm going to forget his name now. Hagerman. Who was, was it Hagerman? I think so. so this guy gets hired at my school and I am like the king of jackassery at my school. So like I, if I cover a period for you, cause you're like in a meeting or something like that. I always have pictures of myself and I replace people's pictures of their family on their desk with pictures of me or I am like just like doing silly stuff all the time. So this guy gets hired and I'm told that I'm to be his mentor for the year. It's his first year teaching. And when we meet, um, Matt had just gotten back from Afghanistan where he'd spent like the last, I don't know how many years uh, during the conflict in Afghanistan. And he is a Marine who's been, a career Marine who retired and then wanted to teach. And so the two of us, this dude was, had to be six inches taller than I was, jacked, um, super military all the time. And me were like, we were matched up together. And it was, it was like, it was like Kermit the Frog and John Cena got matched up together, right? To be partners <laughs> in something. And so I just thought he did such a great job because he taught from that place, right? He taught from the place of like, I know discipline, like he knew like attention to detail was something that was really big deal to him is to me also, but like he taught through like a, through the lens of like a lot of the things that he knew 
Um, he took no crap from anyone. He was not afraid. Like a lot of times, first year teachers like back down from students because they make them nervous because they mean mug them or they look like they're going to cut you. And Hagman was having none of that. And he was just like full on and he loved what he was teaching. So he just really did a great job for a first year teacher. And then because of a series of events, he only lasted, he was only at our school for two years. And then he went back into the military because of some stuff that was happening. But like, I just thought he did a great job. I overall, um, I don't know your name, but so DW3. Uh, overall, I just think that folks with life experience, like people that start teaching when they're 27, 30, whatever it is, 40, get nervous that like, oh, I'm not 22 and I'm, and I'm starting to teach like, am I, is it too late? I think it's the opposite. I think in large part, people that have life experience, you have actually done something. You have something to bring to the table. You have extensive training in something. You've lived life. You've had wins and losses. You've learned to fail at stuff. You've learned to like really, really suck. Especially if you think back to like those boot camp days or like just getting started in the military, like you know what it's like to be crushed. You know what it's like to not have a voice. And then to be able to stand up and finally have something to say, I think you finally have something to say. So I think it's awesome. Um, do you know anyone who's gone through a certification program? So people that I know have either done teach. Oh, right. So someone else is talking to you on uh, in the comment section too. But um, they have either done like an alternate route. So depending on what kind of school you want to be in, your alternate route generally means you're going to teach like in a Title One school, uh, which is what I teach in and I love, but I realize that's not everyone's jam. Or you could do something like Teach for America, which I really and hesitant about. I have seen good people come out of Teach for America, but I don't think it was because of Teach for America that people were good. I think they were going to be good anyway, and this just helped them to get into the job faster than they would otherwise. Um, otherwise, I'm not a super big fan of Teach for America. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If you have specific questions, if anyone does, or uh, that gentleman that asked the question, you can go ahead and email me at realrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com and I'll hook it up. I'll, I'll talk to you about whatever you need to talk about. Um, Andrea Snow is asking, what are books that you recommend for boys who aren't into reading or other or even authors? So I, what's, what's big right now with my guys? Um, anything, oh gosh, if you, I'm trying to think. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask. Andrea, if you email me, I will email you a whole slew of books. Also, on my channel, I have, um, I'm going to link these videos below. Can you write a note for us? Link these videos below that where I've talked about like different books I've gotten in. Generally, it's not specific authors or, or types of books because it all depends on the kid, right? So like I've gotten some kids, um, let me think of what was big last year. Like, uh, like books about sports. Like they'll like so. Jay Z's Decode it was a really big book one year, right? The book that Jay Z wrote um, was a really big deal. Quest Love's book was a really big deal one year. Then it went to um, like LeBron James wrote a book and that was a big deal. Then there's other fiction like Boy Twenty One was a really big deal one year. But then I have other students who like devoured. Uh, Sophia, I'm going to forget her last name. There was a show. It's, it's, there's a book called Girl Boss. And there, I think there was a show by the same name on Netflix. And that was the story of this woman who started selling 
clothes that she bought at the thrift store online and became a billionaire. And some of my boys, like her story is fantastic and they loved that book. But you wouldn't think that for teenage boys, right? Because I'm thinking through the lens of what I think boys like. The number one way I found kids to read is if you tell kids you'll order any book that they want. And even if you don't have the money to do that for all of your students, find your reluctant readers, find a way to raise money, right? Like, so whatever that looks like, or however you can kind of get some money together, um, maybe a, a store or a library, like maybe someone will donate things for you. But I say any book you want, you want to read about gangsters, you want to read about, you know, the story behind Pablo Escobar, or how like the story behind NWA, or you want to read about how to make money, like, I don't care what you're reading, so long as you're reading, that had the biggest impact in my students was me just saying, I'll order literally anything you want, so long as it's not like, um, like, unless it's appropriate for you, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something like that, because I teach high school. But I do have guys that are on that reading level. So I ordered like a whole slew of those books before. Um, I, but that's how, what I find works the best is saying, I'll order you anything that you want. Kimberly Wallback is saying, what's your best advice for teaching at a Title I school? Um, I have a couple of good pieces of advice, but I think they might, I think they might go anywhere. One, so Title I schools in particular, I would say, I just think there's too many people that show up with this kind of savior complex sometimes, right? Where they think they're going to save the kids, that what they grew up with was right, what their kids grew up with is wrong, and that they they have this, there's this idea. And I think certain organizations that, that get teachers into Title I schools teach this idea that there are small children somewhere that are waiting for you to show up. And that like, if you would just show up and grace them with your presence and your love and your well-crafted lesson, that they will be like, this is amazing. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. And I just don't think kids are doing, like no kids I ever met are just waiting there for someone great to show up. Most kids are hesitant. And so you have to prove to them that you're going to come back, that you mean what you say, that you really, really care. You could tell a kid you, you care, but it might take 20 times before they actually believe you. It might take something bad happening, you having to help that kid out before they see it. And that might even have to happen five times before they really, really believe you. So I would say be like, go in, be authentic, right? Be who you really are. Be extremely patient with yourself and with the students because students are working through a lot and they don't always have the tools to know how to manage their emotions, how to manage their feelings. Um, and they freak out and spaz and say things and they feel bad. And like, but if you get, you know, called an asshole on the first day and you're like, that's it, I'm done with that kid. I cut him off for the rest of my life. You're really just doing that kid a disservice because like they're, they haven't got it figured out yet, right? Um, and I think uh, just keep showing up every day and tell kids never, ever, ever under any circumstances do I ever give up on you. Doesn't mean I can't cut you off for a while. Oh, there goes my crazy racist neighbor behind Alcohol. me yelling stuff. They've been drinking since 6.30 this morning. Um, so I think being patient with kids. And sometimes there are kids I'm like, you have to go for a while. You cannot eat lunch with us. You cannot be in my room during the beginning of the day or end of the day. Like you need some time off because I think that's what you need. And then when you're ready, let me know and we can bring you back into the fold. And I think that works also. Um, 
I don't know how to say this name. Oh, I don't know. How to say this. I'm gonna say it wrong. Pranav Chowdhury, bro. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, I have no idea, Poor and girl. because I'm not that smart, that's what it comes down to. Stop it. it. Says I'm a rising ninth grader, and I've always had some difficulty with difficulty with annotating books. What are some ways that you help your students to get used to annotating? One. Oh, she said you got the first name right. I did. Yeah. Oh, Mac, that's incredible because I never get that stuff right. I would say one of the ways that I get kids. Are you gonna close this up because this crazy man is out there yelling? Um, one of the ways that I help students annotate is to help them realize that they already do it. Right? You do this all the time when you're annotating anything because when you watch a television show, when you watch a movie. You talk with your friends about it, right? Like you say like, oh, that's that was so funny. That reminds me of, you know, this other movie we watch or this other show where like, yo, that's just like my dad because my dad does this also. And so you're, you're, we constantly talk to media, right? Whether it's in our head or out loud with other people. Like my wife and I can't, if we watch a show that's 30 minutes, it takes an hour because I keep pausing it and we keep talking about it. That's essentially what annotating is. It's making the text come to life and you're having like, whether it's an aha moment or you're connecting it to your life or you're connecting it to another book or to a song or something like that. So the idea behind annotating is that you're becoming an active reader. And what that means is most of the time when we read stuff that we don't want to read, it's that it's been assigned to us. You just read it and you read it like this in your head and then you get through 10 pages and the teacher and then you fail the quiz and the teacher goes, "Why? Well, how'd you fail? Didn't you read it? Yeah, I read it. I don't remember anything I read, but I read it. So you're trying to get kids to like actively read, to like read with a purpose. And so I, you know, this year for my most struggling students, I just gave them the books and I told them they didn't have to hand them back to me. Um, and I let them write in the books. They can underline things in the books. They can circle things in the books. And I, as an adult, even I do this all the time. It annoys people that borrow books from me because I write in the margins. I circle things. I underline stuff. I, If I don't know what a word is, I'll make a notation so I can look it up. I think that's the best way is to know that, one, you're already doing it. So like, even though it's hard, you're already doing it. And two, um, find out if you can write in the books. Tell your teachers or buy post-it notes and just start writing things in the book, practicing that. And then when your teacher wants to kind of take it a step further, you'll already be good at that like kind of base level thinking of like, oh yeah, I do this all the time when I talk back to the book. Uh, Danny Wong is asking, are you worried about school shootings because it happens so often nowadays? Um, that's a good question. It's like, isn't it interesting that like, I just think it's interesting that it has happened so often. And I remember the first time that it really stuck out to me, it was 1999, I was in San Francisco Columbine shooting happened at Columbine High School in Colorado because I was planning on leaving San Francisco and driving through Colorado and I changed my mind because of that because I was living by myself in my van and that looks like not normal um and I just had this thought of like if I get pulled over I'm gonna look like a lunatic so maybe just skip Colorado um and now every once in a while shooting will happen that like kind of blows up in the news a little bit more um like, I'm going to forget the name of the school. What was the school up in, like, Connecticut area? The elementary school where all those little... Oh, I forget I what it was called. But um, it started with a C. 
But that was particularly difficult for me. Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, yes. Uh, thank you, Ashley. So they... And, uh, and Pranav. Um, so that was, that was a hard one. And then, you know, but, but I'm saying like, sometimes they just stand out more than others. Right. And so, because, sure. because it's then. It's so absurd that it, it ha it's happening so often that we, it doesn't saying. stand out. It's, it's ridiculous. You're, you're almost like, you're desensitized to it at this point yeah. on some level. Um, but we have, you know, and then I think that's interesting that those make the news, but like we had a shooting the other night that was on the news for a second, like um, that there was a, sh there was a shooting in West Philly again. Um, it's the fourth time this has happened this year to somebody that I know. So it's just, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think because one, there's nothing I can do about it. Like in terms of like, I can't, disarm someone i can't make my school safer in terms of like making sure doors are locked and stuff like that what i can do and what it makes me do is every time something like that happens it is like a, a like it's sort of like a something goes off in my head where i think i need to care even more deeply about my students i need to give them space to talk about this to talk about what they're feeling um what they're going through and it helps me to kind of like keep an eye out for kids that might be flying under the radar that people that we're like missing because the loud kids, the super loud, annoying kids and the kids that do really great get the most attention. It's all the other kids that fly under the radar. And I was that kid in high school. I flew under the radar. They, nobody knew who I was. Um, I could become an Oscar winning, you know, actor. And that school would be like, wait, he he went here. He went here to this school because um, no one knew who I was. And I think as teachers, that's a step we all can take. We can make kids know, hey, man, I see you and I care about you. And that will go further, I think, than most of what we can do. And I teach my students to, like Mr. Rogers said, to always look for the helpers. That when something bad happens, it's easy to look at who did it and why and who was affected. And that's important. And I don't, I don't, I'm not taking that off the table. And I'm not trying to like dismiss that, but look in the background sometimes, learn to look in the background and see who, what's going on. Who are the EMTs? Who are the counselors? Who are the teachers that are trying to make a difference? And that I think sends a bigger message to students that like, nope, like the news can keep selling me about how world, bad the world is. But for every one of those folks that kind of loses it and does something awful, there's hundreds, if not thousands of other people that are like really trying to make a difference, trying to stand up for what they believe in, that show up to work the next day, that show up when the kids show back up to those schools and they keep teaching and keep doing the great work that they're doing. And I just, I'm thankful to be a part of that community and it's not lost on me. Um, you have something for me? So Melissa Stout, what's up, Ms. Melissa? Um, I love Stouts. Um, how do you handle students who are at the disrespect level where they just totally ignore you in the halls, students who aren't your own, where relationships isn't established? So um, that's a good question. So like, I'm thinking of, I used to teach all the ninth graders in my school because my school is pretty small, but this year, there are several classes of students that I do not teach. And 
then those kids, when they're like acting a fool in the hallway, or if I say like, yo, take your headphones off or like put your phone away or tuck in your shirt or stop fight wrestling in the hallway or something like that. There are kids that just try and like dismiss me. Uh, like I'm not standing there. Like, like I don't exist. And I do a couple of things with that is one. And not all of this is ever like immediate, but sometimes walking up to a student and if you feel safe, putting your hand on your shoulder and being like, Hey, I don't know if you heard me or not, but like, I don't even know if you know who I am. I, most of the time I handle like, I handle like I'm being really cocky and I say, um, you just walked by me. I'm not sure if you know, I'm kind of a big deal in this school. Like I Ron Burgundy and like, I'm sort of a big deal. Um, but I asked you to do this. And sometimes that humor just, it, it dissipates it Two, I'll find out who that kid hangs with. So if it's something that keeps happening, maybe they're friends with one of my students. And then I'll talk to my student and be like, yo, you got to talk to your homie because like I told this dude to like do this the other day and he's acting a fool. Like, like I don't even exist, especially if I have a really good connection with the student that I have, then they can go back and be like, yo, why aren't you listening to Reynolds? Why are you giving Reynolds a hard time? And this is maybe not the best thing, but I love it so much when students that I that I teach that I get along with well, kind of like in a nice way, sort of gang up on someone and they'll have like five kids going, wait, you gave you gave Reynolds a problem. And that shows a kid like they, they might not respect me because I tell them to. But if they're homies or if someone that's older than them says it and I'm not trying to get them to bully them. Right. It's like what they're doing is putting them in check. And then kids will often say like, yo, I didn't know. I didn't know that he was cool. Like you got it. And the third thing is maybe try and build a relationship like in the hallway, just say something like I'll talk to kids. I don't teach as they leave for the day and say like, bro, your new jacket, that thing. I like it, man. Oh, you got the new Jordans. Nice. Or, um, yo, I love those headphones too, but can you take them off for me until you leave the building? Um, or I'll just ask them like, yo, can you, you got the new ear or AirPods? Like, how do you like those? Do they work well? Would you pay for them? Like that, that little small talk puts you on their radar and then you have less problems later because they know who you are you're not just a, a face in the hallway you are someone that they know and even if you teach at a school with thousands of kids those students you know you get the majority of them and you get the ones that you can and the same kids are going to walk by your classroom every day and then you just i think that's how you do it it's slow and steady sometimes but that heard that wins the race i never won a race because i was slow and steady but Usually just got a trophy for participating. Uh, Tracy Pinter, what's up? Um, how do you and your school handle students who bring drugs to school? Is this an issue in your school? Um, it has been. Um, I think I don't. So he, here's the school handles it like most schools would handle it, right? Like kids get in trouble. They call home. They deal with all that stuff like that. I handle it. Like I had, there was an instance this year where something like that happened. And I don't know if someone had drugs in school, if they were selling or what the deal was exactly. Um, but the students were talking about it. And I, and so I inserted myself in the conversation as I normally do. And I said, let's talk about like, why is that not a good idea? Why is it not a good idea to smoke weed and then come to school or like, do I think it should be? And then I think they were asking if I thought it should be legal. And my answer is always to have the conversation and not just to like impart my beliefs on students, but say like, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about smoking weed before school and then, and then showing up? 
And I'm never, I'm not trying to catch kids in anything, but I just think it's important for like, sometimes we have rules and we don't talk about why we have them. We don't give kids a say and like help them figure out like, oh, this is why this is not a good idea. This is why I can't have my phone out in class, not just because the teacher said so, but because Mr. Reynolds has cute kids and he wants them to eat. So if I catch him on Snapchat and he says something ridiculous and it's taken out of context and then it blows up and he ends up on world star hip hop, dude's going to lose his job and his kids are going to starve to death. They're cute. Um, So I like having that conversation. So the conversation with the students was like talking about drugs, talking about how they felt about drugs, how like the effects that they have on your brain, can you effectively learn in school? So even if we take the, 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 it's illegal part out of it, like, and, and I think that's important, but they already know that part, but like, it doesn't help you focus anymore. Sometimes you're using them to numb the pain. And I just heard um, my homie, father Gregory Boyle talking about this the other day uh, on a podcast on NPR. And he was saying how like, gang members that that he works with are not allowed to work at at the programs that they have if they're high or drunk because not because it's illegal not because it's gonna it could lead to like bad behavior but because you're trying to numb the pain and when you're young i just think it is a better move to figure out how to deal with the pain how to dance with the fear how to how to work through that stuff than to just numb yourself by just smoking weed every morning or getting drunk at school or something like that. Like there's something else going on there. So let's like have the guts to actually talk about that. And I think those conversations go much better than people just telling kids, no, you're not allowed. Um, so that's my take on that. So B. Carrie is saying, you are impacting my teaching more than I could ever express. Thank you. Please never stop sharing. Beth. Well, Beth. No, I think. Thanks a lot. Oh, it is Beth. Sorry. Yeah, so that's why it says Beth at the end. <laughs> Unless she was calling me Beth, which is not my name. So that's why I thought her name was Beth. Uh, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to be self-serving and say, like, um, you could even email me this. I'm just interested in how. Like, I don't always know what I'm doing. Like, this, I just talk a lot. And then sometimes people like what I'm saying. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested in that. But I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, this, this platform, as I was saying in the beginning, um, Sunday night, Teacher talk does not help me on, on YouTube, even though I'm live, like it actually hurts kind of like my, my growth of my channel by, by YouTube standards, by like how their algorithm works. This does not help me in the least that hurts me, but I don't care about that. What I'm here for is to like have this conversation with you all. And if I think it's bringing you value and for all of you that are watching this, like that's why I'm doing it. Um, not so that my channel can grow or something like that. Uh, I'm interested in my channel growing because I'm interested in the world knowing what's happening on YouTube with all of the teachers on here. And instead of just sitting through your boring ass PDs that your school has, uh, I just think it's a cool thing. And I want more people to know about it. Um, Mama Maestra? Does that mean you have, maybe she has three kids? Yeah. Love it. Um, when is your last day? I'm so ready for summer vacation. I am incredibly ready for summer vacation and that's funny because i get real bored in the summer if i'm not super busy and i really miss my students a lot like two weeks in i want to like just be like let's just meet up somewhere because i want to know what's going on with everybody because i miss you we're ready for the end of your school year Um, and our children yes and my children's school year because my children's school year has been like a nightmare my sons anyway but uh they so i'm 
super ready. My last day is of teaching is this Thursday. And then the following week, I just have to administer finals. Um, and that's just me watching kids take a test and then grading them. And then I'm done. So I can't, I'm really excited. Plus I have some really fun ideas for this summer for YouTube and for other stuff that I'm going to put on YouTube. So uh, I'm excited to get like, this is like the end of the year always feels like such a drag. Like you're just waiting for it to get done. Cause it's the, the beginning of the year and the end of the year are my least favorite times of the year. Cause I just want to get going. Like let's start doing stuff. Uh, Kimberly is asking, how do you handle someone complaining about you to the principal? Bam. Uh, she later, she said, sorry for my question. So no, dude, ask all the questions you want. Like never, like if I don't want to answer, I'll skip it, but I wouldn't do that to you. Cause I really appreciate this. Um, I think I've been complained about a lot in my teaching career from people that don't like silly stuff that I do, people that don't like that I eat cereal with my students on cereal day, people that don't like that I have nicknames for students. I say wacky stuff in the hallway that I have a long stick with a giant hand on the end of it that I hold in the hallway and have kids give me high fives. Here's the thing. The longer I've been doing this, even in my life, I just don't care as much anymore. And I know people say this all the time. My students always say this, like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just really don't because I believe so much in what I'm doing that I just started not caring. And I feel like, or you just become known as you're that guy. Oh, him. That's the kind of weird crap that he does. And I know that it helps the students. I know the students like it. And I, and I, that's not easy for me to say either, Kim, because I am someone who I am a people pleaser. I like when people like me. Um, I like, like if someone has, if I get a bad comment on YouTube, it like really kind of hurts my heart. And and if I, someone in school doesn't like the way that I'm doing something or a kid doesn't like my class, I'm like, oh, like I want to fix it. I want to make it better. And what that, up, what up, homie? And so that's not, it wasn't an easy thing for me to come to. I think it just came with, me kind of like being, I don't know, like you kind of get kicked enough times in your life and you realize it's either going to beat me down or I'm just going to be like the hell with it. I don't just like, I know what's awesome. I'm just going to keep doing what I feel like is awesome in my heart. And that works for me. So, um, you know, the other thing I might, the other thing I might do is talk to the principal about it and maybe talk to that person and say, Hey, I'm not sure what happened. Um, but I heard you felt like compelled to go and speak to the principal about me. Uh, I'm just wondering what that was. Cause maybe you can help with that. Maybe you can help solve that issue yourself. And that's, that's maybe what I would do. Yeah, a couple quick ones. All right. A couple quick ones. And then, uh, wife for life saying it's sick. So uh, I'm done. Um, Ashley Sabaska. I think I got that right. Actually, I think I got your last name right. Are you doing another meetup in Philly over the summer? Um, I am. So I'm doing, I want to do a meetup at some point this summer. Um, when should we meet up, Ashley? Where should we do it? Let me, you let me know uh, when and where, and let's make it happen. Uh, Cause, and then I'm doing a meetup. I like, I like doing it. I like meeting people that do this. It's fun. CCT is asking, are you out of school now? And if so, do you get letters to the students that grad that graduated? If so, how do they react? I didn't yet. I think I want to say graduations on the 13th. 
Um, most kids have forgotten about them. So this week I have to go in and put them in envelopes with their names on the front. It's just way easier than like going through the letters and finding their names. Um, and then, and then I have to separate kids that don't go to our school anymore also, and then try and find them. Cause usually they'll have a friend that still goes to the school and I can get the letter to them, but that will happen, um, within the next couple of weeks. And I'm really excited. I love doing it all the time. I'm very surprised you pronounced it correctly. You know, I'm, maybe I'm getting better. All right. Uh, maybe not. Tracy maybe I got Pinter lucky. and Swim Chick are your last. So, all right. So, Swim Chick, I haven't seen Swim Chick in a while. Swim Chick is asking, how have you liked co-teaching and how has it worked out for you? It has been an interesting adventure. Um, I still think co-teaching as a whole is good. I still think it's a good move. Um, if you can get teachers that work together and actually co-teach a class. For me, it's been more like um, I would get someone that didn't that we didn't jive and it didn't work or someone that was just a nightmare. I don't know what the hell they were even doing teaching to begin with. Or uh, I had like my friend Yonkers left this year and took something different. Then we hired my friend Ed and Ed and I, I think if we had gotten the year together, our class would have been pretty much on point, but we didn't. He, Ed was like, and I say this in a loving way, like my co this guy that Ed that came in to, to fill in for Yonkers because she left like two months in, um, I kind of feel like he is this, the donut on my car. So like I got a flat, I was on the side of the road, didn't know what to do. I put a donut on there and I try to get to the gas station so I can get my car fixed. Um, that's what this year has felt like. And so I'm just final. I'm ready for the summer. I'm ready to get the mechanic, get my car fixed so I can take off again and really go running. And if Ed came back next year, I think we would have a really great year. So I just think that that model really can work and there's a ton of benefits to it, but it has to be really well thought out beforehand. This is, I already did this one. No, I don't oh, oh, you did, else. dude. Switch, I know. I Thank you for being patient with me. Um, oh, Tracy Pinter. It was an off topic. So oh, Tracy Pinter said, "I know it's off topic, but best beaches for Jersey Shore are quick first quick end summer vacation." Um, we like uh, we're Ocean City people. That's all we ever go to. If you're ever in Ocean City, 58th Street Beach is uh, is the spot to go because it's not near the boardwalk. Um. Wildwood is a little bit too much, like it's a little too much Their everything. Boardwalk Their is boardwalk cool. is really long. Um, they, they get a lot of people from like New York City, and I'm not against New York City, West but it, there's right. like this it's just a lot of people, a lot of alcohol, a lot of like kind of bros hanging out, and um, like it feels like you're on Jersey Shore for a second there. So I just like Ocean City's chill. And we've been going there forever. When I was younger, we would surf all day. We'd sleep in the back of my van. Um, the not-so-secret wife would stay with us, and we'd all like sleep in the van. We never got in trouble with the cops or anything like that. And it was chilling. Wildwood, every time I try and sleep in my van, they would like, try and get you in trouble for vagrancy or some crap like that. So, uh, And I wasn't having it. Because when you want to sleep in your car, you know you want people to leave you alone. That's right. I don't know. Uh, this is my last one. So Amram... Nemeth Nemeth said how do you cope with teaching when you're absolutely exhausted if you have had a late night so that's
that's interesting. So one, I would say I let kids know sometimes, like if my ki- if my own offspring were up late, if they were throwing up, if they had a fever, if they didn't feel well, if they had allergies, whatever it is, uh, I let kids know like, hey, look, this is what happened last night. I am not on 10 today. I'm more like a four. So just know that going in, like have a little bit of sympathy for me. Like, and I find that kids generally do that. I've had nights, days, like when I've gone in with like, I needed like a root canal or I had a really bad toothache. And if I tell kids, they are, they generally are very empathetic and, and it's in a surprising way. So I think that really helps. Um, And I think that, so just being honest with your students about that, and then sometimes just drink a bunch of coffee or like change your lesson plan. So, because here's the, here's my, my last piece. Sometimes teaching isn't fun. Sometimes you are utterly exhausted when you come home and then your wife like asks you to make dinner or to get the kids in the shower or to bathe someone or to change a diaper or to take the dog for a walk. And these are all things that you're like, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to do in the world right now. But you all know that if one of your homies called you up and was like, I got tickets to this concert tonight. Do you want to go with me? You're on fire all of a sudden. Like you wake up in a heartbeat if the right person wants to come over or the right opportunity presents itself. So it's still in there. And it's just that I think sometimes it's about reminding yourself. And like, if you don't feel like teaching diagramming sentences or, you know, Pythagorean theorem that day, then maybe just switch it up and be like, Let's have a conversation day. Let's talk about this today. Instead, it's still school. It's still learning. You're still finding your voice. You're still critically thinking. All these good stuff is still happening. But like, what can I do today? Because I'm exhausted. That will be like a little bit more fun. Will get me excited about being here. Um, And if you don't have that in you, then just tell your kids like, yo, I had a rough night and I'm not feeling it. And if you're hungover, just lie and tell them it's something else. Cause you don't want to tell your students you're hungover. I don't think they're going to have empathy for you if you do that. It does happen because we have, we know people that have like thrown up in a trash can in their room. Bad choice, everybody. Um, <laughs> is that what we're leaving on? That's the end right there. So I want to say real quick before you go, um, I'm going to have a video coming out. If not tonight, tomorrow for the weekly vlog. And I'm wondering what kind of content would you like to see this summer? What can I do for you? What, what are you wondering about, thinking about, hoping about ways that you want to grow that I could possibly shed a light on and help you out, right? Um, and also, I got to go see a conference this week at West Patterson, New Jersey, where my friend Alex Kajitani, who is the rapid mathematician, um, he's out of California, spoke, and he was awesome. And he has a new website out. It's called Multiplication Nation, where he's trying to his his mission is to get all small children or anyone to learn their times tables. Right? He thinks it's really a crucial thing that makes or breaks a lot of students. So um, please consider checking that out, Multiplication Nation. I'm going to link it below. Um, and Alex was awesome. He's going to be back in Jersey in August, and I'm looking forward to going and seeing them. Ready, Beast? Let me go outside. All right, gang. Thanks so much for watching. Um, Yeah, I appreciate all of you. And I hope you have a great end of the school year or enjoy your vacation. vacation. And if you're in England, then enjoy your last month of school. Uh, That's it, right? Nothing else? Awkwardly saying, oh, there it goes. Awkwardly saying goodbye. Peace.
And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.